and welcome to the B Team Podcast. My name is John Macy. Uh, we are here for a installment of the Star Trek Away Mission series. Today, I'm joined by Justin Ayat. Hello. And Boris. Yeah, Misha ain't showing up. He had a transporter accident, and I'm not sure where he ended up. He's on detached duty. Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> okay. So, uh, we're going to review uh, Strange and World Season 2, Episode 4, Among the Lotus Eaters. Uh, but I also figured we could very quickly go through some uh, convention stuff as we are recording this uh, about a week after the, the 57-year mission convention that I went to again and Spencer was there. We will save... Spencer's not here right now, but we will save uh, any of... We're going to do the usual uh, post-convention wrap-up show that we've done in the past. However, I want a lot of that to be centered around Spencer, given that he's a first-time attendee. I think that's way more interesting than me just blathering about it again. But we have, you know, there's some stuff worth mentioning. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that or anything. I I thought it was really interesting this year, just from the from the different stuff they had to do regarding the the strike and whatever with SAG after rules, they couldn't actually talk about any of the shows or any of their past work. If it was stuff that fell under uh, SAG after contracts. So a lot of the panels were uh, really interesting because there, it was just completely different stuff than it ever been asked. Um, and yeah, it was really fun to see some of that. They did some combinations of people that you've never seen before, because usually they just do like, Okay, everybody from Discovery sit sit on this panel, and then everybody from TNG or whatever sit on this panel. Uh, they ended up kind of they did some of that, but they ended up kind of breaking some of it up. Where you know, like they had all the different people that had played doctors do one together, and then all the different people that had played engineers do one together, and that and that stuff was it was interesting to see those combinations of people on stage, and. Uh, some of the actual actors had even called it out as far as like, oh, we should do this this way more often. It's more interesting. Uh, so I don't know if you guys had anything. I kind of sprung this on you, this idea that we would do this now. So, um, but I'm trying to get my crap out of the way so that we can, when we do the actual wrap-up show, we can center that on Spencer and the other possible guests that I might get for that. Yeah, I mean, like, um, how... So, like, they had to talk about stuff other than, like, Trek and, like, for, like, for example, LeVar, LeVar Burton probably couldn't talk about, like, Roots or anything like that. Like, so, like, what else, like, did they talk about? Like, like, oh, my favorite color is blue. Like, what, um, like, how, they could, they could, how interesting they could talk that? They could talk about, they could talk about experiences on set and whatever, as long as you weren't as long as you didn't refer to the shows by name or you didn't refer to character names or anything of that sort. So like they could talk about like general acting things or working with certain other actors or whatever, or process, uh, like process questions and all that. You just couldn't, you just couldn't like refer to things directly. So, I mean, it was a lot of end arounding. Uh, so plus there basically you could be like, so basically you could be like, Hey, Mr. Burton, uh, you worked with uh, Patrick Stewart on a television show in the 80s. Um, how was your experience working with him on set? Like, that's how you had to phrase it? Kind of, yeah. 
And then there, there were just completely other questions asked too. Like, you know, I think somebody during one of the panels I went to asked LeVar Burton, like, who was your favorite writer on that show to work with? Because you thought they wrote your character best or something, you know, stuff like that. What I, what I found it eliminated was, you know, the, to be not to be insulting to the audience for something like that, but it kind of eliminated what I call the, the nerdling questions in the sense of like somebody going up there and being like in episode 17 of season five in scene 24, what was your thought process on blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, they never know how to answer that anyway, because none of them ever remember that. And then it's like questions, questions like that kind of drag the whole thing to a halt anyway. Um, I'm not Steiner that question. He's never seen an episode of Trek. No, yeah, I, I don't think I went to any panels that he was on. Uh, he did a couple. The other thing, too, I think the reason that they did this thing where they they arranged them all differently was because uh, a lot of people on the same cast had different days that they were there. So I think they tried to, you know, it wasn't like all the Strange New Worlds people were there on one one given day. And then they did a panel for that. Uh, I'm trying to remember... If I had any, uh, the Saturday night concert was interesting. It's something they do every year. Um, I believe we talked about a little bit in past years. It was like the Nevada pops orchestra did one. And then last year was Robert Picardo and some friend of his who'd been on Broadway this year. They went actually went like total rock and roll show. And it was awesome. Uh, we had talked a little bit in the pre-show about that, uh, that charity TV actor band band from TV. They got the next iteration of that group called the Action Figures to do a show, and it was Greg Grunberg and the guy from the Orville, Scott Grimes. Uh, they had a whole panel with the Orville people, which was quite interesting. Nice. Uh, where yeah, it was everyone except Seth. Um, and a buddy of mine was actually somebody from the Mission Log group actually hosted the panel because they did. That person does a, a an Orville podcast for uh, Mission Log. Hi, Mike. Uh, if you end up listening to this, uh, Mike Richards and Jessica Lynn Verdi were the hosts of that and they were great. And it was real. it was a really fun panel where like, they talked about the show, but not really. And the guy who plays Bordas was like for half of it. I he either didn't have any clue what he was doing up there or like just didn't have any clue how those panels were supposed to work. Cause every time they went to him for something, he just completely fucking derailed the thing, but it was really funny. So um, he was basically born in real life. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was just really funny. Uh, Hilarious. And so, so this band from TV thing, this group called the Action Figures, right? It was basically Grunberg and Scott Grimes, and they had Issa Briones, Anthony Rapp, Tim Russell, all people, which I did not expect at all, <laughs> and uh, and uh, Todd Stashwick did some songs, and Stashwick was unbelievable he was like the unquestioned king of this entire thing like they just and it was a it was really fun uh they did a they did a uh and we'll talk, i think i was the only one in our uh, uh in our group of people that went to this uh they did a a separate like paid panel with all the tng people so it was all the tng people except for Stuart, and it was moderated by that guy Terry Metalis, who was the writer of season three, 
there were some cases where the the strike rules were broken. Um, this panel was one of them. They just kind of stopped caring about halfway through it. Um, and you could see uh, Gates McFadden getting kind of squirmy because, like, <laughs> they would they would start doing they would start saying stuff that was in open contravention of the strike rules, and you could see Gates kind of for the first half an hour was kind of like, "Could we not maybe do that? Uh, that's bad. Could we not?" do that and then like halfway through it she just you could tell she just stopped caring because she was just like oh they're gonna do it anyway i don't care um yeah every time i one... see her like panels and stuff she seems like uh she's very much like uh like a stickler for like rules or stickler for like trying to keep everybody focused on whatever the question was or whatever the topic yeah. is which with that group of people is kind of pointless because they just yeah that reputation of them all being pranksters and stuff is well earned because they very much are that. Uh, the one I guess who got the most shit for the strike stuff, and this was not a panel I went to uh, because it was a, a group of people I'd all seen on stage before, was uh, they did one with Tim Russ, Garrett Wang, and Robert Beltran. And Beltran, oh, the Avenger crew. Okay. And Bel- Beltran just didn't give a fuck. Beltran was like, <laughs> "I'm just going to talk about whatever I want," and what are they going to do? Put me in jail? Is this communist Russia? Like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so, go. Yeah. Although I will say the coolest moment of all of it was, uh, was, uh, Michelle Hurd, Jerry Ryan and Ed Spilliers did a panel where, uh, they talked about a bunch of stuff. Michelle Hurd gave a great speech about like, what is this strike really for? And they talked, yeah. she talked about like, how like it's not for the big actors who have tons of money that where it's not going to matter to them how this plays out. It's for all the people that have the smaller roles, and no matter what you do, they the uh, regular uh, day they, actors are basically working uh, to earn money, just like the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And it, yeah, and how yeah. it's more about like how it's more about like the the ways to qualify for health insurance are so are so ridiculous that you can do like four or five jobs a year on like major TV shows and stuff. And then AMPTP will try to claim you didn't do enough to make the, make the health insurance threshold. It's like, really? Seriously? Um, I mean, I mean yeah, that's, that's really what they should be. Uh, that's really what they should be focusing on in strike instead of like the stuff with like streaming services or whatever, because honestly, like, I mean, we've talked about it before, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but I'm pretty sure that's going to be the end of, like, pretty much all streaming and a lot of these actor shows. Like, I mean, you know, she's probably going to strike herself out of a job, you know, being one of those smaller actors just because they keep focusing on, you know, trying to show Netflix and Peacock and Paramount Plus's numbers, and you're going to find out there are no numbers. (laughs) You're going to find out that nobody's watching anything. And, yeah, you know, yeah. they just keep making these shows to like, you know, 10 people, you know, and then then that means you're going to get even smaller as usuals and you're going to get less jobs. So I think they yeah. should focus more on like the healthcare stuff and the benefits and everything like that. But it just seems like whoever is running this thing is just not smart. And it's just like, oh, we're just going to strike because we'll be off for like the summer and we're going to get more money from the streaming people or whatever. You know what I mean? And I just, 
I just feel like that's probably like a false. It's probably like a false thing to run on, and it's probably really hurting all these smaller actors. Because think about it, everybody who was at that con, like who besides like maybe Lavar Burton, like who else was like a major actor, like maybe Zachary Quinto, because you said he was going to be there, but like. Like nobody else though is really like a major actor where they're getting like constant work. It's like they're all in like little things, you know. Yeah. It's not even truck stuff. It's like little indie stuff, and like those things are gonna be the ones that hurt because of this. Because you know, like I get that they're trying to like get the benefits better, but by dragging this on for so long, you're gonna eventually like. Um, like I was watching an interview with somebody on the news the other day on the evening uh, CBS evening news and they were interviewing uh, I think he was a writer um, on a show and like a smaller writer on a show and he's like as soon as a strike happened he's like I just started calling people that owed me money and you know like this could go on for months you know what I mean because they don't they I mean they don't they're not able to save that much, especially living out there in California, because California, you know, sucks your money dry. Um, yep. You know, so it's like, you know, I, I just feel really bad for these actors and stuff and the writers and stuff that are like the smaller tier, not the higher tier, you know? Oh, yeah. But, those people are going to get massacred by this thing. And I yeah. Mean, yeah. Yep. And I do have one. There's always one funny photo story per year, and I do have one thing that I sort of alluded to with you guys that I didn't want to say quite yet, but I think we can. So the funny photo story, right, was, and I, I've said in the past, I always have one weird one every year. So we go in, Corey, Corey and I go in there for a, a photo with Christina Chalk, right? And it was her, it was her first con, you know, she had a huge line, so that's what happens when you're, somebody that's never been to one of these before and like everybody wants to see you there and stuff. So we go in. That's the one that plays Juan's descendant, right? Yeah. Yep. And she'd never been to one before, so she had a huge line. So we go in there and Corey, Corey was in it with me, so we go in, we're in the two wheelchairs and stuff. And normally, you know, there's not, you know, there's not a ton of interaction or whatever, but she is literally dancing around behind us and i have no idea what to do with it because like you know i have a whole thing of like i try not to make physical contact with them in case unless they do it first you know so i'm very much like i don't know what to do here and she starts dancing around behind us she's trying to get us to like do stuff so the picture looks cool or whatever but i'm thinking to myself okay i'm right at crotch level with this woman sitting in a wheelchair she's wearing tight leather pants and I'm literally afraid if I do anything with my hands, I'm going to end up grabbing her ass. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm just like, I don't, and she says it doesn't show up in the picture, but I'm literally sitting there with my hands like across my body going like, I don't know what to do. Oh my God, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, it's like, uh, what was it? Will Ferrell? Like, what do I do with my hands or whatever? He's just holding his hands up. What was that? Ron Burgundy? It, it, it was, yeah, I think it was an Anchorman or something, or one of those. Oh, yeah, Anchorman, yeah. Yeah, and the the, the cool moment I had was, uh, so a lot of them had, and this, this has been a case in past years too, but a lot of them had, like, the autograph and selfie tables and stuff, where, you know, they were selling a lot of that stuff on their own to make money and whatever, and it wasn't through the con necessarily. 
So I go through that area. It was in where all the vendor stuff was. And I go through that area once. And guess who would be sitting there with no one at his table? But Bruce Bruce Horak. Dude. So I was I wasn't gonna do anything. I really I really wasn't. But I went by his table. There was nobody there, so I waved, you know, just out of courtesy, you know. And he kind of and I, I initially I went through this whole thing of like I waved like an idiot, and I realized, wait, I don't know, <laughs> he if, can I, see I don't know if he can. I don't know if he can see that or not, <laughs> right? So. So I sit there for a second, kind of going like, oh, shit, what do I do now? Um, <laughs> and so he kind of flags me over. So I did go over there and I talked to him for maybe about five minutes and said, you know, you know, we met kind of in passing in the photo line last year. My wife and I took a photo with you. She said something and it kind of locked me up and I couldn't speak. Uh, so I just wanted to let him know, like, how much of an inspiration he was to me and how important I thought it was that somebody like him was in a role like that. We yeah. talked for maybe five minutes, and he's a really cool guy. Like, Dude. and you know, I gave him my he he again expressed interest in doing the podcast. Maybe at some point, um, he did say that he kind of remembered talking to your brother when yeah. uh, when he did that last year. Uh, they can't. He took my email and stuff. They can't make appearance commitments right now because of, of all that. So we'll, yeah, so we'll see if anything comes out of that. But at least I got to meet the guy. You know. Nice, so, nice. That, was, so that was. That cool. is, dude. I mean, yeah. I mean, that is cool, dude. That is so fucking cool. Yep. Okay, so we're on to. Well, I guess we'll get into this episode now. Then uh, I did watch this again last night uh, for the purposes of this pod, and we, I, as I said when we did the other two recently, we acknowledge we're behind with this show. Um, scheduling just doesn't always work that well, and. Uh, Milos was out of out of town for a long time, so we end up not doing a lot of these right away. But we'll can we we'll just to remind there. everyone that we we're adults so with work lives and stuff, job <laughs> lives, whatever you know, all that. Uh, um, yeah. Okay, so this is for uh, season two, episode four, among the Lotus Eaters. So they start out, and um, what was going on at the very beginning of this? Was there? there- Oh, oh yeah, the whole thing. They get the wasn't there a cap the dinner with the captain or at the captain's quarters? No, it starts with the whole. Corey just reminded me they they get to this planet because they're sent to this planet because, um, it's a planet that Rigel Seven that they'd been to before, that Pike's crew had been to before, and it was a very short away mission. Like they were there for a couple of hours before it went to shit, and there was like a violent. Violent encounter and stuff. Ah, right, right, realized, right. I'm gonna sound. Realized, I'm gonna sound like an idiot. Isn't Rigel Seven from like the cage and stuff? Yes, Rigel Seven is referred. This is this is referred to in the cage as the mission they went on right before the cage took place. Uh, so this is a oh. a certain degree of of uh, not retconning, but it was like the one prior mission of this crew that you could have referenced because it's the only other time we've ever seen them. So, um, uh, can I also just mention that we've heard about this Rigel system? I mean, throughout Trek series over and over again at one point or another, but uh, nobody ever went there. Yeah, that's most likely true. I, yeah. I would bet that there are 
billions of references to Rigel, whatever. Um, so Ortegas gets the log, gets the log narration this time. So I kind of thought we were finally going to get an episode about her, which we don't really, although they kind of want you to think it is. And we'll we'll talk about this. I think this is one of the one of the biggest disappointments for me with this one, where you know she gets a minimal extraordinarily minimal degree of development here, which, and as we're through the second season in real life, even though we haven't uh, gotten through all those reviews yet, she still hasn't gotten that. And if I were this actress, I'd actually be kind of pissed because it's like, I think uh, you can, uh, you can see her pissiness in, uh, in her character too. Yeah. Cause she's basically, a hood, she's basically a hood ornament and it's kind of disappointing. Um, yep. But uh, so I mean, she's yeah, basically like um, she's basically like the checkoff kind of of this crew where like you know he doesn't really get a lot to do until the movies, but in the show like he really like was barely on it and you know stuff like that and you know he only gets like little things to do and that's kind of what they're treating her like and I and I agree with you guys I don't think that I think it's kind of ridiculous because I've been kind of no. looking forward to like an episode about her and learning a little more about her character and stuff. But like it's almost like she's just there, um, almost like um, what's his face there from the from the band that you were talking about, um, Scott Grimes. Um, yeah, his character in um, the Orville. Um, you know, he that's kind of how they're treating her as like his character from the Orville. While she's like kind of like almost like a little bit of a comic relief kind of. But, like, mm-hmm. they don't really get into her story. I mean, they get into his story a few seasons on, but it's, yeah, like... Yeah, he eventually gets stuff to do, like, Yeah, but, like, with her, like, they just haven't given her stuff to do, you know? Right. So she gets the log here, and they're going to go down to this Rigel 7 planet. Uh, you find out... Oh, well, I guess technically you find out that this, this happens because they've been they've been there before... And they're kind of keeping a long-range eye on it. And uh, they get—they were taking like photographs of it from a distance, I guess. And you find out that they—they um, they look at one of those photographs, and the Federation Delta is like carved into a lawn, right? So they're like, "Oh, mm-hmm. this is bad. This means we must have left some sort of like." cultural contamination here this is bad we have to fix this okay um, all right I, re- I remember the episode okay yep. yeah this was so, so oh they, it's coming back to me oh man yeah so they set up this away team of uh pike and benga lon and ortegas ortegas is excited because she finally gets to like go do away mission stuff which she never gets to do um and then as they're going to leave, Pike goes, oh yeah, this debris field that we're in around this planet, it's too risky to have you go, Ortegas, because we need you to sit and pilot. We need you to stay here and pilot the ship or we're going to get wrecked because the debris field is too, there's too much stuff in here. You're going to be making, whoever pilots the ship is going to be making like manual adjustments a couple times an hour and I need you to do that because, you know, so she's kind of bummed because she never gets to do like away mission shit um so and then there's a whole scene of like she's kind of mad at spock because she's like if it wasn't for spock giving him this information i might be able to might have been able to do this and then spock in his typical like 
I don't have any clue how to interact with people fashion is like, instead of like, just being like, Hey, I'm sorry you had to do that. He's just like, well, I didn't, I didn't create this situation. So it's not really my fault. And she's just like, fuck, just figure out when to leave it alone. <laughs> you know, um, which I did, which I did kind of like that as a, as a development thing. Um, but then the, the, the group that we're left with goes down to this planet and, um, it's basically Lon and Mbenga and Pike on this planet. And you find out that Pike wanted them in particular because of um, how they have combat experience. And the last time they were on this planet, it went very ugly. So he wanted to have people on the, on the away team that could handle themselves in a fight. And I did love, and this will, this will play out much more later in a, in a later episode that we're going to do at some future point, uh, where Lon and Mbenga are having a conversation, and Mbenga goes, yeah, doctors love it when they get picked for these things because of their ability to fight people. Um, so we start to get into the whole Mbenga war PTSD thing a little bit here, but we'll get some more of that with episode 8, which to me is the high point of the year. Uh, so we'll have a lot of debate with that one whenever we get there. Um, so they're trying to get into this this settlement, and they get caught out on the perimeter. And you know, Spike, uh, Spike, excuse me, uh, Pike tries to do the whole like, oh, we came from somewhere else, and we're just traveling or whatever. And they meet the the people that encounter them have uh, Federation phasers somehow. And they just immediately go, oh, yeah, we know you're from Starfleet. Cut the shit. Uh, so Pike is very much like, uh, what do we do now? Um, so they get dragged to, uh, they get taken to, like, this castle fortress thing where, oh, and I also forgot to mention, which I should have mentioned earlier, they call out that three people from Pike's crew died on this planet when they went there the first time. Right. So yeah. then they go into this, this castle fortress thing and this whole thing is has been taken over by this guy who was actually left behind alive on this planet that used to be on the crew. He was like some he was a yeoman, he was basically some low ranking guy. And he's basically taken over this society. Sorry. He's basically taken over this society by giving them, essentially by giving them Federation weapons, right? And he's basically made himself king of the society. Now, here was my first, here was my first hang-up, right? So what I don't understand is, oh, well, I guess we should get into what the basic concept of this is, right? There's some sort of radiation on this planet that messes with your head so that you forget everything about your life. Right. Um, and my first hang up was, it was unclear to me whether, cause I think this episode kind of plays it both ways. And it's unclear how this works. Like they established that there's this whole, there's this group in this society that lives in this castle fortress thing. And when you do that, you're not affected by the radiation because something in the, something in the material that the, the fortress is made from blocks the radiation. So those people have their people that live in the 
castle thing have their memories all the time. And then they have this labor class that doesn't do that, that every day when they wake up forgets everything about their lives and they just go on being like farm workers or, or like they work in a mine or whatever. And what was unclear to me was did this one guy from the Federation like establish this whole thing or was this already there and he just took advantage of it? I, I couldn't tell. Anybody? I I I don't. No, I don't. I have no idea. I mean, I think I think he probably. It seems like he kind of like uh, grouped everybody together to do um to do whatever it was. But like, yeah. Um, but like, it seems like they were obviously already there. But it kind of seems like he's like, oh yeah, I'm from the Midas Star Fleet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's also a line later where he says that the, where that guy says that the, you know, and you find out, and I'm going way out of order here, but I find there's no other way to really describe this one. Because this one is, to me, this one is so, this is a really cool idea that I don't think is developed well enough and doesn't serve the everything has to be resolved in an hour format of this show. Um, so... The guy at, mm. at a later point in the story says that this, because basically this radiation field happens because like a, an asteroid hits the planet that, that generates this field of radiation that messes with people's heads. And the guy says that it happened like hundreds of thousands of years ago, which to me says that the whole caste system of the planet had been there already. But then how does this guy take advantage of that if he's... You know, they established that if you're outside of that castle thing for like more than a day, you'll forget your entire life, essentially. But like, how does this guy do that? How does this guy get they, himself to that? Because the problem is that they just don't, um, they just don't um, get into it. You know what I mean? They just, yeah. this one was like so rushed and they just wanted to like, you know, create like this thing where like they were forgetting and stuff like that and and they just didn't go into the fact of like you know how he created the society or how he got them all to follow him or whatever it's just like oh, you left me here <laughs> and it's like what the fuck is going on here but yeah i mean to me the only way it works is if is if that established society had already been there and he just took mm -hmm. advantage of it because yeah, I think that's he probably he did. did. That, that castle had to have been there, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's yep. no other way to explain it. And it just, you know, somebody took advantage. I mean, took advantage, not took advantage, yeah. but, uh, you know, started ruling the Rigelians. And uh, he probably recovered, recuperated, and decided to take things into his own hands because he was mad at Starfleet. What a fucking red shirt, man. Yep. So Pike being Pike, he immediately like wants to like make good with this guy, right? Because he's like, "We thought you were dead." Oh my god! Like, and you know, I felt terrible about that. And the guy's mad because he's been left there for like five years at least. So he's like, "Ah, screw it! You can go. The three of you can go oh. far around outside the castle thing, and then you'll forget your entire lives and you know all that." So he 
he sends them outside and they and they live in like I guess there was something about like they sleep in cages because otherwise they'll just kind of wander off. But then the other guy that they get to be acquainted with has a house. And it's like, how does he not do that every night? So, yeah. So they end up, it's Pike, Lana, and Benga. They end up on this planet where they sort of vaguely have memories of themselves. And I think there's a whole thing said about, like, if you can maintain strong emotions and stuff, that will that'll lead you to still remember things. So, like, well, it's, Pike knows it's from not the get-go. So much, that, oh, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's, um, so the memory loss isn't, um, like, it's one of those things where, like, you don't remember who you are, but you remember, like, that you can do things. Um, I yeah, forget we'll which get, memory loss that is. But that, we'll get that's into pretty that. much what the memory loss is. Yeah. Because it's also... And here, here's a side plot that I, I forgot because I don't particularly find any of the stuff with this particular character to be important. But, like, there's a whole side plot of, like, you know, Pike's trying to, you know, the his girlfriend ship is there, too, right? Mm. So he's trying to make time with the girlfriend, and uh, it's just, like, you know, they're, they're trying to have dinner, and she's constantly being interrupted. And he's constantly being interrupted, and he kind of takes that as like, well, maybe we should slow this down some, and you know, and all that. And there's also uh, some, there's also some blowback from the trial episode where she was supposed to get promoted, and the promotion goes to somebody else, and mm-hmm. he outright says like, is it because of the trial thing? And she goes, oh yeah, it's that advocate Vulcan guy punishing me for not for not putting Una in prison forever. Um, so Pike is just like, yeah, maybe we should stop doing this or slow this down a little bit. She gets pissy and, and leaves. And I just, and she gives him some sort of like pendant thing that he wears around for the rest of the show. I, I get like why they're giving all this time to like Pike and his girlfriend, but I just don't care. Is that weird of me to say? Well, no, because, I mean, clearly they wanted to give Pike, you know, some of the season off, like you were saying. Um, so it's kind of weird that they're trying to throw this into the loop when they've been trying to focus on all the other characters. And seeing as how you opened with What's-Her-Face, mm-hmm. um, you could have just had her have some kind of dilemma or something instead of having this Pike issue. But the problem is, is that they default to the fact that the captain is the star of the show. Um and so they need to show some sort of interpersonal drama with him. But really, this episode didn't really need any of that. You could have replaced um, um, Lon with um, or Lon with um, Ortega. And, um, you know, you could have had her go through some sort of thing. We could have found out something about her, like maybe her family or if she has a love interest or whatever. You know what I mean? And we could have, you know, maybe included a little bit of that where that was. But. You know, once again, it's, you know, the whole captain thing and it goes back to Rigel 7. So clearly this was supposed to be like a Pike episode because this was the thing that they all knew from the cage. So they're like, oh, let's talk about Rigel 7. They talked about that on the cage. And so, you know, that's kind of what they did with this. And I guess they needed to show some sort of like repercussions from the trial because they really hadn't talked about it. And I think that's the main problem with them. They also had to put this. 
They also had to put this show somewhere in the timeline too. Mm. Oh, yeah, and I so mean, like, and I, yeah, like try to show like where it is, I guess, like how how far yeah. or with the cage, because I mean, I'm imagining the the point of this show was eventually to have a new TOS. Yeah. Like that's what I'm imagining that this was all going, um, because I don't think anybody was really clamoring for like a prequel to TOS, except after they brought Pike back for um, like Discovery and stuff, and they liked Anson Mount and everything, and they liked, uh, what's-his-face that plays Spock? Um, you know, yeah, since they liked all of them, like, that's the reason why this show even became a thing, um, because they're like, oh shit, they actually like something we're doing. Let's make a show <laughs> about it. Um, yeah. and and so, so that's 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 pretty much where this came from. So now they're kind of just flying by the seat of their pants because I don't think they had an idea for this show. But um, but yeah, it just you know, and then like um, with the repercussions from the trial, like you know, the problem is is that they're trying to make it episodic while still making it like you know have a through storyline. And I think it was doing a lot better last year when it was just kind of a little more episodic where you had like loosely like episode to episode there was stuff because last season they had that thing where we found what's his face from uh Trek Five, um uh, oh, the Cybok brother. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Cybok. And he's like nowhere to be fucking found in this season. Like like where did that go? Like they didn't follow up on any of that. And it's like you know, I don't know. It's it's very weird what they did with this season. And I mean, I know I'm kind of like negative for like these like first five episodes, but like you know, it's it's almost like they came in here with like no plan or they had some sort of writing change, and they were like, oh no, we're gonna just focus on this, or maybe maybe Anson Mount was just like, hey, you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna be like in every episode. I don't wanna be like the main thing or whatever. And so they tried to do it, and I think I think they're trying too many things. I think one. They're trying to give Anson Mount a break. Two, they're trying to make it a little more like um, a through storyline as opposed to episodic. And three, I think they're also trying to sow the seeds for TOS because there's been a lot of Kirk, there's been a lot of Yoda, and there's been a lot of Spurs. And it kind of seems like that's where they're going with this, is that they're leading you to believe that TOS reboot is coming and so that way, when they announce it, it won't be like, oh, my God, where did this come from? It's like, well, it kind of makes sense because they've been putting all the seeds in all of the season, you know? Right. Know. That's just me. Yeah. That's certainly possible. Oh. Um, so while this, is going on on the pla- while this is going on on the planet, they also meet this other guy. I believe his name was Luke, played by Reed Burney, who is somebody who's I been living him. on this planet for a long time. And completely accepts the uh, the fact that they have no memory of anything really. And yeah, I have it on uh, good authority. He's uh, George Lucas's cousin. That's why he's called Luke. Oh, okay. I'm just joking, man. I'm just joking. I had to throw something in there, man. I was just uh, I was about to fall asleep. The guy. That's why I was like Skywalker. No, no, I I meant the character, man. I meant the character is called Luke. Yeah. Just trying so to he, not yeah, fall he <laughs> Pike, Pike spends the whole time there on this planet going, oh, this is wrong. We shouldn't be here. Why is this happening? How do we get out of here? And this guy is very much like, oh, just kind of accept it. You'll be fine. 
you'll forget everything and you'll just go back to happily being like a farm person. And at one point, um, uh, Pike gets fed up and they attack like some of the palace guards and whatever. Lon gets hurt in this. And then suddenly uh, they're like, oh, we have to go get our memories back because otherwise she's going to die because Mbenga's the only one who can treat her and he doesn't have the ability to do anything complex right now, which is where we get to the ship, which is where I get more confused by this because it starts to also happen on the ship, right? And basically Chapel says, and I think Uhura is the first one to get hit by it on the ship. And yep, Chapel examines her and says, okay, something is blocking her neural pathways. And as it goes on, you find out that like they're and this is where I feel like they kind of wrote themselves into a corner with this idea because it's like they try to say that like they have no memory of who they are but their skills don't go away so like you know Chapel says for example that she could if somebody had like a minor injury she could treat that pretty easily because she's done it like a million times and it just comes down to like muscle memory essentially, but she couldn't do anything more complex than that. Like she couldn't do like a surgical thing. And because of the fact that your, your base memory goes away, she wouldn't be able to remember why she was doing that. But then there's a case later on where I was very confused where, you know, at one point Spock is, is, within the concept of they're all losing their memories and stuff, Spock takes all their personnel files and gives them to them on pads and whatever. So that like when they forget stuff, they can refer to that. And at one point he's on the bridge with Ortegas and he says he can no longer read. So uh, I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? Like they say it doesn't affect your, they say it doesn't affect what you're able to do, but then suddenly Spock's illiterate. It's like, how does that make any fucking sense? Um, also, also, Vulcans have a, such a strong mind and brain. I, I was surprised it affected him at all. Yeah, but I think it had to in order to, you know. But yeah, I, I was very confused by like. You might want to. You might want to repeat that, bro. Justin, we can't hear you, man. Yeah, that, that came out really broken. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can now. Go we again. Now. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right, here we go. Uh, sorry, I was looking up stuff while I was talking. Um, I think that happens when I switch between Discord and the other stuff in my phone. Um, uh, so I think it's because Spark is a Vulcan, not Vulcan. So I think what they were trying to prove there was that it affects him differently. And that, like, because he's a Vulcan, you don't really know his brain chemistry, so it could just make him illiterate. Who knows? Um, which sometimes they do with this shit, like when um, when they're aliens and they just come up with something, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it affects them because you know they got green blood, so like you know it's you know it it, uh, it affects them differently, you know, so that way they can do whatever they want to do on an episode." Um, but um, I have a feeling that's why they kind of trying to make him illiterate was because it's like, oh, yeah, he's a Vulcan, so yeah, but he does. Uh... There's an episode in TOS where his brain gets attacked from a telepathic connection or something, and he goes into a coma, and eventually, you know, his brain repairs itself. 
Is that the one where Mbenga had to slap him around? Possible, but it was in TOS. I can't remember the exact details. I think McCoy was his uh, doctor or something. I don't remember exactly, but I remember like uh, we just have to leave him alone. His brain is going to correct itself. So, uh, yeah, the whole thing with I just the Vulcan brain is so so much better than everybody else's in a way. It's so much, so much more advanced to me. Did that whole thing didn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, so the ship is turning into a nightmare because nobody remembers anything. And then on the planet, you know, Pike kind of... Oh, Pike hey, decided they have... Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, so I found a type of memory loss. It's called disassociative amnesia. Um, and it is a condition in which you can't remember important information about your life. This forgetting may be limited to certain specific areas, thematic. Um, so, like, if you had something traumatic happen, you block out, like, that part of your life. Um, mm -hmm. or include uh much of your life history and or identity so like a general uh disassociative amnesia where like you know you forget like names friends history stuff like that so they basically just took that idea that concept from like real science and kind of put a tricky spin on it huh. okay that's interesting i didn't really thought no i knew there was something like that yeah you know that that came from my one my one class of neuroscience and college <laughs> so so pike kind of buys into this legend that this other guy has that like everyone's memories are in a box in the castle right so he decides okay well we have to go we have to go do that then um so he and mbenga attack the castle while all this stuff is going on on the ship they're in the middle of an asteroid field basically and um Ortegas kind of has, and this is where we go back to Ortegas a little bit. Ortegas kind of has like a freak out, goes to recorders. There and there are some. I I will give them credit. There are some great acting moments in this whole like memory loss thing. Um, Agreed. One one in particular that I liked was Ortegas was going down the hallway and she comes up on Chapel and there's no dialogue here. Chapel just kind of looks at her in like this really weird like zoned out kind of way and then just turns and walks away. And it was just really mm -hmm. well executed by Jess Bush and Navia both. Like, it was just this completely silent moment that actually did kind of effectively creep me out a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Which, so she goes back to her quarters and she's like trying to, uh, she's having a dialogue with the computer. Uh, and she's trying to get the, the she wants to, uh, she's trying to get the computer to stop all the asteroids from hitting the ship and stuff. And then the, the computer says, would you like to plot a course through this? And then she remembers, oh, I kind of remember how to do that. Um, so then she looks at her personnel file and turns this idea of like her name and what her job is and like this chant that gets her back up to the bridge and able to get them out of this, right? And we'll, we'll talk about why I'm like, I thought it was a good moment for her, but we'll talk about why I'm kind of bothered by it and why I think they passed up on mm. something more significant than that, or why I wish they hadn't. Um, so she's able to get the ship out of the immediate radiation field thing. And then on the planet, Pike ends up attacking the castle and has a fight with the, the yeoman guy 
who, you know, basically, you know, he's completely convinced that there is, that the casket is in here and it really isn't. The guy's like, the casket's bullshit. It's just the fact that this, that this building prevents the radiation from hitting you. And event, if you're in here long enough, you'll remember everything again. Um, so then he's about to like shoot the guy in the face. What? Cause he pulls, he pulls out a phaser and he's about to shoot the guy in the face. Um, and then that's when he finally remembers, Oh fuck, what am I really doing here? And then they just kind of, you know, it just kind of ends from there. Like it's assumed that he's going to drag all the people on the planet into the, into the castle and stuff. And then they'll get their memories back and whatever. And I just feel like this is one of those things that, you know, would be better served by a longer, a longer storytelling frame than this, because it's just like, I feel like, what they're trying to get at here is that if you don't have your, your memories, it's more of a, an expression of who you are as a base person. And maybe the ideas that, you know, Pike's a little more, uh, Kirkish without his, you know, without his base training and all that. But like, to me, the memory loss stuff was so abrupt. You don't really get a lot of that. Like if there'd been a way to somehow have the, have the uh, memory loss thing not be so immediate and you do really get to see these characters devolve into something else, then to me that would make way more sense than what they did. Agreed. Um, Well, they, um, they, uh, they really, they really took this from an episode of uh, next gen. Um, There's been a few amnesia episodes, um, but I was trying to find the name of it while you were talking uh, conundrum. Um, It's the one where everybody forgets like, who they are on the ship, and then Worf is like, "Well, I'm wearing this this thing across my chest. I must ah, be the yeah. That's the problem. And, conundrum was fucking. Then, conundrum was fucking fun because yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah. Conundrum was hilarious because Conundrum yeah, actually took kept it to the ship. Yep, they kept it to the ship. Conundrum actually took established characters at that point and kind of turned it all. Where this is just kind of like yeah, even that da- even Data lost his uh, memory in that one. Yep. Yeah, I. Lo- you're right. I love that thing in Undermore. Worf is like, I must be in charge because I got this metal thing on my chest that nobody else has. So, like, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, such I a feel like thing to do is like, oh yeah, I must, you know, I must be of importance. Plus, I'm wearing a different color shirt. And I feel like this <laughs> is is trying to get at something of value, but it's just so bogged down in like trying to explain how this thing actually works, and they explain it kind of badly how it actually works. And um, then you have all the stuff with Ortegas, which I guess we can get into now. Like I'm kind of bothered by the idea that, you know, this character has had no development at all in almost in now, now that we're, you know, we're actually through two years of this show and she's had literally no development in two years. Um, I haven't watched episode 10. So don't talk about episode 10. I haven't either, dude. Don't worry about it. I can't say anything specifically about that one because she's not really involved in it. So it's like, all right, well, there's not, there's not that much to do just, with that one. It, it, it just goes to prove your point a bit further, man. I mean, it, it sucks because pilots are supposed to be these cool, you know, daring, uh, daredevils, you know, like Tom Perry's and Rios and even soon, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Mm-hmm. And even you know, and even Data. I, I mean, 
So, I mean, it sucks because they really made this cool, cool character. I mean, I love just everything about her, you know? The haircut, the attitude, the personality. I mean, she's got it all. The character does except the fucking character build, man. And I mean, you're gonna you're gonna tell me that all we all they can really give you about this character in two years is like, and even the subtext of this particular episode, which they try to give her, is like, I am my job. Is really yeah, all which they- yeah, which really really sucks, you know, on a whole another level because if everything you can say about yourself is your job, you know, it just sucks, you know. Unless yeah. you're doing like, a, unless you're doing like a million other things uh, all at the same time, or you know, just juggling between, yep. then it would make well, sense. But um, yeah. So my my hope is that you know, if and when season three happens, that they'll actually try to like give this character something. I don't know. It just doesn't. Honestly, honestly, for her sake, like I love, I like the character and all, but I'm. Honestly, hoping for her sake that after this strike, she finds something that, you know, is a bigger role for her and can, you know, do a little bit better for her, you know, and then they end up just writing her off the show because it's like, you know, she's kind of wasted. I mean, you know, you like, like they've even given, what's her, the new engineer there. Um, I forget her name. Uh, Kate. uh, uh, Yeah. Um, She, um, you know, she even has like more to do. Than Ortega does, and Ortega's been there for two seasons. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah, I was gonna, you know, I was gonna something. say, you know, I would rather they don't show us uh, um, ship engineer at all, and ship engineer be whoever, and instead Ortega's. If they're gonna give Ortega's more stuff to do, you know. Or what they probably should have done, to be honest with you, now that I'm thinking about it, because think about it, like, like you have a lot of pilots that are also good engineers, like. Like, what is her background? Is is she an engineer? Like, is she in the engineering? Because she has, like, the red shirt, so I forget kind of, like, what the shirts and stuff mean. Uh, engineering time. and security. Yeah, all right. So, so, I mean, you know, does she have an engineering background? Maybe they could have moved her to engineering. Maybe they could have, like, had her be, like, her first mate or something. You know what I mean? And, you know, yep. be down there. Like, you know, they could have had her do other stuff than just be, you know, the Will Wheaton at the controls. You know what I mean? I mean, yep. the the only character build that she's had so far this season, and this is in a future episode, is uh, when that Klingon appears later in the season. Oh, in Under the Cloak of War, which we'll yeah. get to. Yeah. And which we'll yeah. get even to, that, but... Uh, even that is, like, the most vague level of, you know, like, yeah. she, was a, she was a Klingon war vet, and that's really all you get. Which, yeah, I mean, like, everybody much. was. <laughs> Well, not everybody on Not Earth everybody, was, but almost well, like, like a lot of them, yeah. Yeah, like 75% of them. Like the Klingon War seems like it was like World War II, where like pretty much everybody was essentially like some sort of veteran. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like somebody had something to do during that war. You know what I mean? And, you know. Yeah. And when we get to, when we get leads, to episode eight, it'll show really, like disposable they all ended up being. But. And this leads to my other big problem with this episode, right? At the end, uh, Pike decides to, because as we said earlier, this whole thing with this radiation field happens because like some meteor crashed into the planet and it radiates this thing that makes everybody forget everything, right? So Pike decides that they need to remove that from the planet. 
And so they do that. But in the conversation before that happens, Spock is like, are we sure this isn't a prime directive thing to do this? And Pike goes, well, it wasn't, it's not the planet's natural development. So of course it isn't, but it very much is that because agreed. I mean, with the way the prime directive works, I think the only way you can make that argument is that they knew that some other race had lobbed this asteroid at the planet, knowing it was going to do that. Like, uh, you know, whether some random asteroid hits a planet or not has not, is not some unnatural act that, so I was really bothered by that too. Like don't, don't cite the prime directive and then do it completely wrong and be like, well, of course it isn't. It's like, no, it absolutely is a prime directive violation. To take you know out. what? Yeah. If they had said, you know what? I mean, uh, all these people are under radiation, you know, uh, they're forgetting things. They're forgetting who they are. And it, you know, from our experience, it is hurting their own natural, you know, uh, uh, what you call it? Uh, development, you know, I mean, if they had explained it maybe that way, then I would have, you know, maybe agreed with him citing the prime directive and saying, you know, this really falls under, you know, we have to keep up the prime directive. But in this case, we can intervene because, you know, it's hurting the natural development from what we've experienced so far. You know, there's no way these people are going to evolve or get anywhere if they keep living like this. We need to help them out, you know? Yeah. So, like, that kind of bugged me that it it is clearly a prime directive violation to remove this from the planet. Uh, but they just kind of write it off that it isn't. So whatever. Like I said, uh, man, they could have had better explanation, but uh, they didn't, so i If there's one thing well, Star Trek doesn't care about, it's the prime directive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, my other yeah. question that I had is like, sure, they they get to the you know, Pike gets to the fortress and realizes what's really going on here and all that stuff, and and Lana and Benga get the memory stuff reversed, but, like, why did this guy ever... I get the sense they're gonna take this yeoman guy to, like, Federation jail. Like, why? Why does he ever agree to that? Like, how could they enforce that? Um, they're the uh, guys who left I mean, him there, and uh, he kinda... I don't know. Uh, he he uh, he violated the prime directive, and uh, so yeah, I mean, he needs to be punished. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, technically, he's like still like a member of Pike's crew. Like, if you go back to like when they were abandoned or whatever. Um. So, you know, the fact that he's still alive now, he's still essentially a member of the Starfleet crew. So when they bring him back to Starbase. They're gonna have to basically impronounce him as dead, and he's gonna have to be probably court-martialed for doing what he did on the planet. Because really, he should have, you know, technically Starfleet uh, regulations are is that if you're on a, a planet like that, you're supposed to basically keep out of sight, out of mind, and just be. Although yourself. they could, e although you know, in uh, in uh, in uh, the usual Starfleet way, they could easily, you know, sweep it all under the rug and say, you know, we found this guy and. Uh, you know, just uh, just uh, uh, close those files about Rigel 7, uh, make it confidential, top secret, you know, whatever, you know, Starfleet priority, uh, you know, they could have easily, you know, 
made other arrangements and whatnot, you know, just because, you know, they they could have, you know, assigned it all to a general delusion due to, you know, uh, memory loss or whatever. I mean, there are ways. Then the Section 31 cleaners in there, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that, you know. I mean, I mean, there are ways. I mean, if... That's uh, that's one of the. I mean, all these things are one of the reasons. Uh, reasons basically that I found this whole episode just meh. I mean, there's nothing on this planet. It's just a barren rock with the castle on it, and she. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing really happened. Really, you know. Yeah, I did like. I will give them one uh, one stylistic thing. I did really like. Like, I like the fact that. Everything on this planet sort of had a purple tinge to it. Ah, and they just yeah. Kinda, like, I thought that was a really neat stylistic thing to do. Like, it just kind of gave this shade to the whole thing on the planet, which was really neat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, as we, go, as we go through this one, I think this one will end up being my least favorite episode of the season. Uh, just because I think it, it's sort of a... It's sort of a half story, almost. Like... It almost needs way more setup to work than they're willing to give it. Um, and it was so poor, completely poorly written, and yeah, it, I mean, I think writers were on strike uh, when they were writing this episode. I mean, that's that's the uh, you know uh, the impression I get. Yeah, these were all written well before the strike. <laughs> I know, I know, but you know, just talking about it, I was like. Maybe they were, you know, striking in themselves, like, we don't want to do Star Trek, we want to do something else, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I would say, this is, you know, for me, the for me, the season picks up pretty significantly from here on. Uh, so this was, like, the last one where I was kind of like, eh, you know. And I really liked uh, episode one this year, and I really liked three. Uh, but two and four so far have kind of been the low points for me. But we'll get into, you know, more of these as we have time to do them. Next up would be Charades, also known as the one where Spock becomes a full human. Uh, which we'll get into when we get there. Yeah. Uh, oh. it, should be, it should be fun. I'm guessing you guys didn't <laughs> like this one by that reaction. Uh, Dude, I hate Charades. <laughs> I hate that they're playing Charades. They could have played any other fucking board game or group game, but they play charades in 23rd century. Come on, man. <sighs> I wonder I if it was just for the, I, I wonder if it was just for the title and then they kind of... And they then could, they just yeah. worked I mean, they could have been playing, you know, uh, 3D chess, uh, you know, they could have been playing in, I know holodecks weren't invented yet, but technically, but they could have retconned the whole thing and haven't invented and they could have played in holodecks. I mean, there's, I mean, <laughs> there's so much. I mean, well, you know, you know what they could have done, they, instead of 3D chess, they could have done 3D checkers. We haven't seen that. Yeah, I mean, That's even true. Star Wars had that, you know, chess fighting uh, Mortal Kombat game, thing, yeah. yeah, which was pretty fun. I mean, we don't know the rules or anything, but they could have, uh, you know, copied that in a way. Yeah, but they could have copied that, you know, in a certain manner, but charades, come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good God. I mean... I am, I am waiting. I am waiting now on bated breath for this charades rant that you're going to have next week and I'm in for it. 
Oh, Just man. Remember, the, act, the actual act of charades is not that important to the actual episode. I think they just used it for the title. I know, man. We played charades last season, you know. this, And I didn't speak much about it because uh, it wasn't really a big thing. But for this episode, it kind of was. And the way they used... Okay, I'll save it for the uh, next week. Okay. Next time we do so it. It's a rant. Just so that people know, uh, we'll probably end up taking another break from these for a couple weeks because Milos is out of town again, or he will be yep. shortly. And Spencer's yeah, going to be out of town through the end of the month. And we want to try to get the con one out. Um, and I'd like to get him on some more of these, actually, if we can. Uh, we also have, um, I'm going to try to get another uh, con friend of mine on, one, on the post-con show. Her name is Trisha Brady. She also has a Doctor Who podcast, which we'll promote at the time. Um, so my hope is to get her and Spencer on the post-con show. She also wants to do a retro on the uh, TNG episode Sub Rosa, which we will do in the near future uh, based on her and Spencer's availability. We'd kind of like to do that with the three of us as a test run. Um, just Fun to time. see. My, one of my least favorite episodes so you guys yeah we hate that one so obviously we're not going to yeah we were gonna try just the three of us just to get her comfortable with the group and all that and uh we'll figure that out um so yeah we have to and as far as the rest of the season for this we still have to do charades lost in translation those old scientists um uh under the cloak of war uh, Subspace Rhapsody, which will be really fun to talk about, I think. And huh. the recently aired <laughs> season finale, Hegemony, um, which, as we're recording this, aired two days ago, or dropped two days ago on Paramount+. Plus, and we'll see if and when season three ever happens at this point. With the, with the strikes and stuff, I honestly think, assuming there's resolution anytime in the near future, I think with the fact that most of this stuff has only the first couple episodes of the next season have actually been fully written, according to reports I've seen. Uh, I would think we'll be lucky to see this show come back uh, before 2025. Uh, uh, at the rate, dude, the I think he's going to come back. I just think it's a matter of time. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it will. I've kind of been talked out of the whole idea that they were going to cancel this show as a result of the strike, although there, I do know some people who think at this point, if they're, and I think I made this point, we talked about this earlier, like if they were willing to cancel the, the animated one that's winning a bunch of awards, anything is possible. Yeah, um, true that, but still, I mean, I don't know. I'm, so, I, but I don't think it's going to get yeah, canceled. So we're we're going to have some time, before. I think, to do, we're going to have some time, I think, to catch up on these and do retros if we want to, and uh, all that other thing because I think it's going to be a while. Uh, although Lower Decks is only a couple weeks away, yeah, so that's positive at least. Mm. Um, uh, September, yeah, right? So, yeah, September seventh. September seventh yeah, is start date for that. So it's the Wednesday after Labor Day. Um, mm. So yeah, uh, we will get back to these when uh, Milos and possibly Spencer are available. So it'll be a couple weeks probably, but okay. we will definitely. I, I want to mention that we will be finishing the season out. I just don't know how quickly we're going to be doing it. So, uh, thanks yep. for joining me, guys. We'll, we knocked another one out here. We'll get back with uh, charades in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Later, boys.
Later. <laughs> Later.